You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. You turn to Genesis, first book in the Bible, ought to be easy to find. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We have been discussing the great doctrines of our faith and their relevance for our lives, and we have been talking recently about the doctrine of God, and the doctrine of God is classically presented under two different headings. The first is the heading of the nature of God, what God is like, His attributes, His characteristics. We spent some time studying the nature of God. And, and the, the second heading is uh, the, the, the works of God, uh, which speaks of what God does. So nature of God, who God is, works of God, what God does. And when you study those two realities or those two headings, then you get a clear picture of the God of the Bible. And so the first work of God, which we are discussing, is the work of Him being Creator. We began to talk about God being the Creator uh, last week, and we, we wanted to answer the question from the Bible, why is there something rather than nothing? Every worldview has to have some kind of answer to that question. Why is there something rather than nothing? I saw an article this past week of scientists and trying to figure out the origins of the universe, and uh, they, 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 they said there's still a mystery as to how whatever sparked it, uh, how it was sparked. You know, whatever, you know, there's still a mystery there. I was like, there's no mystery. But, but why is there something rather than nothing? And we made this statement last week. God created the heavens and the earth from nothing. And I wanted to answer four questions related to that phrase. The first question was the question why. Why did God create the heavens and the earth. And so we spent some time last week talking about the why. Ultimately, it's for his glory. So we talked about that last week. But tonight I want to answer the question who when we say God created the heavens and the earth, uh, what, what who are we talking about? Because if you just go out to the public square and say the word God, there are a lot of different thoughts and beliefs related to that word. And when you say God and maybe your co-worker says God, you may be talking about two very different um, uh, beings. And so uh, let's talk about the who. And I want us to go back to Genesis 1-1. We need to be careful when we read Genesis 1-1 because we know it, you know, we've learned it, we read it when we were kids, we've heard it taught, we've heard it preached. It's just a very familiar verse, and it can become so familiar that it loses its, its weightiness, its majesty. We, 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 we kind of aren't amazed by what's being said here. But, but just look back at verse 1 with kind of some fresh eyes. Pretend you're reading this for the very first time, all right? Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is a, that is a magnificent statement. God created created the heavens and the earth. That's, that's everything. And so uh, we want to answer the question, 
Who? Who is this God that's being referred to? Well, if you look there in your notes, this refers to the triune God of the Bible. The triune God of the Bible. And there are some hints to the doctrine of the Trinity right there in verse 1. Because look what it says. In the beginning, God... Now that word God, Elohim, is a plural. So it speaks of plurality of persons. We know that the Bible teaches... There are three persons who are called God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons. They are all eternal. There is equality among the three persons of the Trinity, but three distinct persons are called God. And yet the Bible says there is one God, right? So when we say that there's one God, we're speaking of God's essence or nature. We say there are three who are called God. We're speaking of the three persons of the Godhead. So in the beginning, God, that's Elohim, plurality there is kind of a a hint towards the the plurality of persons. But look at the next word. What's the next word? Created. Created. That word is singular. It's not plural. It's singular. So it speaks of the oneness of God, the oneness of purpose in creating the heavens and the earth. So right there in the very first book of the Bible, there are some, 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 uh, some, inclining inclinations of the doctrine of the Trinity. So the triune God of the Bible created the heavens and the earth. Now, another verse that speaks to this is down in verse 26 of Genesis 1. I think I made reference to this last week, but it says there in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who's the us? Who's the our referred to? Again, it refers to a plurality of persons. One God existing in three co-equal, co-eternal persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, I just want to say a few words, and we're going to just do this tonight, and we'll, we'll uh, take a break till next week when we talk about the next question, which is how. How did God create the heavens and the earth? That will be fascinating. You want to be back next week for that. But uh, let me just talk to you about the, the three persons of the Trinity and, and how they related to the creation of the heavens and the earth. First of all, the Father, God the Father, was the initiator of creation. The initiator of creation. Uh, hold your place. We turn to 1 Corinthians, New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 8. 1 Corinthians, chapter 8. Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. It says, chapter 8, verse 6, Yet for us there is one God the Father from whom, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. So God the Father, first person of the Trinity, and the Bible says from Him, He's the source, the initiator of all things, everything that exists, comes from the initiation of God. He, God the Father is the source of the created order. Have I got that? He's the initiator of creation. But the Son was the agent of creation. Because look at that very same verse. It says, there's one God the Father from, from whom are all things and for whom we exist and one Lord, Jesus Christ, watch this, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So you might say that, that creation originated from God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. That would mean that the Son was the agent of creation. The Bible speaks often about Jesus being involved in 
creation. For example, Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 says this, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also, through whom also He created the world. So God the Father created everything through the agency of the Son. You say, uh, Pastor Wade, what did that look like? I don't know. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know how that all played out, but that's what happened. That's, that's what the Bible tells us happened. Then in John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14 of John 1, we learn it's talking about the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, clearly talking about Jesus. And it says, He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. All things were made through him. And listen to this next little phrase. Without him was not anything made that was made. Anything that's ever been made was made through Jesus, which would mean, logically speaking, Jesus was not made. Because anything that was made was made through Jesus. That makes sense? That's important. You talk to maybe someone that's Jehovah's Witness that believed Jesus was a created being. He's not created. Nothing came to being uh, that did not come into being through Christ. Everything that's ever been created came through Christ, which means that Christ himself was not created. He was the agent of creation. Uh, and then let me show you another verse. Turn over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, one of the great Christological passages in the Bible. And we'll, we'll get to the doctrine of Christ in a little while, a few weeks or so. And I uh, can't wait to talk to you about the doctrine of Christ. But uh, look what it says in verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. Now, you just said, well, Pastor Wade, you said that Jesus was not created. Now it's calling him the firstborn of all creation. That term firstborn speaks of his preeminence. Over in Psalm 86, the Bible calls David the firstborn. Now, if you know your Bible, 1 Samuel, David was not the firstborn son. He was, in fact, the youngest of the sons, remember? When it was time to anoint the next king of Israel... The father didn't even call David. He was out tending the sheep, and he didn't call because he's the youngest. He's the runt of the litter, if you will. Surely he would not be the next king of Israel. So he didn't even call him in to meet Samuel. But yet, yet David is called the firstborn. It speaks of his preeminence. It speaks of his position. So he's the firstborn, it says, of all creation. For by him, watch this, all things were created. What do you mean by all things? Look at the next phrase. In heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things, again, were created through him and for him. So Jesus is the agent of creation, initiated from God through the Son, Jesus. What about the Holy Spirit? Does the Holy Spirit have, any, does the Bible have any, anything to say about the Holy Spirit's role in creation? Well, the Spirit was the life-giving energy of creation. Life-giving energy of creation. Uh, look over in Genesis chapter 1. Back in Genesis 1, we see the Spirit's readiness in chapter 1, verse 2. Genesis 1 verse 2, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And here it is, the Spirit of God was there. What was He doing? Hovering over the face of the 
waters. So how did the Spirit, or how was the Spirit involved in creation? Well, he hovered, Genesis 1, 1, and 2. Now, this word hovering is an interesting word. It conveys the idea of a bird sitting in a nest, uh, hovering and brooding over her eggs, caring for their new lives. Uh, the same word is used in Deuteronomy 32, verse 11, to speak of, uh, of a, an eagle stirring up its nest and hovering over its young. So at the very beginning of time, the Spirit was there. What's he doing hovering? He's, he's hovering, waiting to bring life into this world. He, he's, he's there to, to bring the energy of creation. God is initiating through the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit is there ready to, to perform His role in the forming of of the created order. So he hovered. He was ready. He was there, ready to, to, to be a part of the creation. But also he breathes. We see the Spirit breathing. Look over in Genesis 2. Genesis 2, verse 7. This is specifically in reference to humanity. It says there, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, speaking of Adam, and breathed into his nostrils, what? The breath. Now the word in the Hebrew language, breath and wind and spirit are all the same word. It's the Hebrew word ruach. And, and the same word is used to speak of breath, speak of wind, speak of spirit. Sometimes they're used kind of almost interchangeably. And so this, this breath of God is speaking of the spirit of God. It says, uh, He formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So it's almost like creation. Uh, the, the, or the heavens and the earth. God formed the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit was hovering. Then He began to bring order to, to, to what God had brought into existence. He's hovering, ready to bring that order in and put things into place. And the same thing, God makes the first man, and then the Spirit, the energy of creation, breathes into the man and gives the man life. And, and you say, well, just humanity? Well, listen to what it says in Psalm 104, uh, the end of that psalm, about the role of the Spirit in creation. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. So what are some creatures in our world? Name some creatures. Horses. What? Dinosaurs. What else? Rattlesnakes. Why did you say snakes? Who said that? Brent. What else? Cows. Yeah, I mean, eagles. I mean, everything you think of. Creatures, all right? Here's the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things, both small and great. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. So he's saying... Every creature has its life in the Lord. He's the, the creator of that life and the sustainer of that life. And it says, when you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. So the spirit is the energy of creation that gives life to these uh, creatures. And so it's pretty cool. And again, we don't know how, what all this looked like and the, the, you know, the logistics of it all. Uh, I mean, we can't even wrap our minds around what it would have been like to witness the dawn of time. But we do know, based upon all these scriptures, that God the Father, God the Son, 
God the Holy Spirit were all involved in bringing about the heavens and the earth and humanity and creatures. It's a pretty cool reality. So, creation is from the Father through the agency of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this, and this is in your notes. The Father spoke. We'll talk about this some more next week. The Son formed and the Spirit breathed. Father spoke, Son formed, Spirit breathed, and in some way they're all involved in all of those aspects. I like what Miller Erickson says, the theologian. He says, It was the Father who brought the created universe into being, but it was the Spirit and the Son who fashioned it. While the creation is from the Father, it is through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so all three persons were involved. So when you ask the question, who created everything? Where did it all come from? Not just God, the triune God of the Bible is the one who created everything. And, and you read about this and, 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 you, and you get a, just a glimpse into the mystery and the majesty of God creating everything, ex nihilo, out of nothing. We'll talk some more about that next week. Uh, and, and it makes you think of a song like, How Great Thou Art, right? Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world's what? Thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. The fact that God created everything should should cause us to stand in awe and be grateful of His power and grateful of His design, grateful of of His creativity, grateful of His transcendence, grateful of the fact that He made us to know Him and relate to Him. And we could go on and on and on and on. But... Why did God create the heavens and the earth from nothing? For his own glory, to pour out blessing. Who uh, created the heavens and the earth specifically? The triune God of the Bible. I'll take, uh, I'll take I've got about four minutes left. I'll take, I'll take a couple questions. If someone has a question about uh, this idea of the doctrine of creation under the doctrine of God. Anybody got any questions from that? I may, may have raised more questions than I answered. When you said Elohim, mm-hmm. it's the general term for God. Yeah, so it would be like our term God. Yeah, the general term for God, but it's plur- it's plural in that verse. So it speaks of a plurality of persons. Yeah, good Elohim. Any other questions? Yes, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all eternal, pre-existent, pre-existed creation. So God the Father, God the Holy Spirit have been there from eternity past. They've always been there. There's not been a time they haven't existed. You start thinking about that, and it makes your head hurt because we don't really, we can't really comprehend, um, you know, beings that have always existed. But they've always existed, and they've always. And I talked about this last week. They've always existed in perfect communion and love. Uh, John 17, Jesus speaks of that, the love which we had before the foundations of the world. And so the, the Trinity has always existed, and God in His sovereign will and plan decided at, at a point in human history, thousands and thousands of years ago, to speak the heavens and the earth into existence as ultimately a display of His glory. So, 
Yeah. And so that would mean, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, that when Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, that wasn't his beginning. He's always existed. That was his transition from heaven to earth, and it was the taking on of human flesh. So he became the God-man at that point. But the second person, the Godhead, has always existed from eternity past. Good, good question. Any other questions? Yes, sir, Brother Charles. Yeah, and there, there's, worse, you could get very, this is a, you could go way down this road, but, but uh, when the Spirit, when the Spirit breathes us into existence, that's the moment our soul comes into existence, um, and, and that soul is immortal, you know? Um, in fact, I remember um, my, my previous church, we had a preschool director and uh, she would go, um, she'd visit families that had babies um, in our church, and she would go in there, and she would tell the parents, this is kind of weighty, she's saying, she'd hold the baby and say, this is, this is an immortal soul, immortal soul. Um, and uh, just to remind them of the, the weightiness of, of, they've brought this, you know, this, this soul into the world. So. And, 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 and I don't, I don't want to be any way morbid in this, but probably most of you had the opportunity to, to walk with family members or maybe close friends um, through the moment of death. And, and, and we understand that if, if, if you've been closely acquainted with someone walking through that, that there's a moment when they're there and there's a moment when the soul's not there anymore, right? And for Christians, there's great joy in that, to know that, hey, absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know, to close your eyes for the last time here in death is to open them in the presence of Jesus. Your faith becomes sight. Um, but, you, but you, I mean, if, if, you've, if you've witnessed somebody stepping out of this life into the next, you can see that, that moment when that, that the, the, the spirit of life, the soul, departs the body. And uh, it's, uh, it's fascinating how God has done that. Any other questions tonight before, before we uh, close? Yeah, oh, yes, ma'am. Miss Betty. Okay, so, yes, the God-man, Jesus, is, okay, there is um, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son are all, um, are all uh, persons, distinct persons. They're one in that they all, ex- they all possess the oneness of God, the essence or nature of, essence or nature of God. Um, but Jesus, uh, this is a wild thought, uh, but it's a true thought. When Jesus Christ took on human flesh, when he was born of the Virgin Mary, he stepped in, into human history as the God-man, and he'll always be the God-man. So remember when he ascended back to the Father, the disciples saw him? What did they see? They saw the second person, the Trinity, clothed in human flesh, going to heaven. Right? Right? When he comes back, what are we going to see? Second person, the Trinity, clothed in human flesh, coming back to rule and to reign. 
right? And so right now, and this, is, this will blow your mind, and I, I don't know that I have good answers to help you f- to wrap your mind around it, but somewhere Jesus is existing as the God-man right now. He's somewhere. I mean, we would say heaven. That's how have our minds right. But there's a, a, a location where he is as the God-man, and one day he will, uh, he will return. But there is still distinct, distinction, one God, but distinction between Father and Son. He's at the right hand of his Father. Yeah, yeah. Any other questions? Okay, what is it? Please don't say dinosaurs. Is it dinosaurs? All right, okay. All right. When Jesus was on the earth, well, okay, great question. John 4, I mean, God uses something called anthropomorphism, which, uh, which, which, which means that there are human, human characteristics given to God to help us to understand Him better. So, for example, you know, God seated on His throne. Uh, well, John 4 says God is spirit, Right? So is he literally seated on a throne as spirit? No. Him being seated on the throne is to help us understand that he's in charge. Or God is a rock. Is God really a rock? No. She's letting us know that uh, he, he uh, is strong and we can build our life on uh, the, the, the right, The strong right arm of the Lord. Does God really have this strong right arm? No. He's letting us know God's powerful. Right. So God, the Father, is spiritual. Okay. Um, and so he, that's why he's, we can say he in, his, in that uh, in spiritual, spirituality is omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. So was the Father, when Jesus was on earth, was Father in heaven? Yes. Was he on earth? Yes. Was the Spirit in heaven? Yes. Spirit on earth? Yes. Uh, and so all three persons, when Jesus was on the earth, all three persons were actively at work in the universe. And, and really one of the best examples of that is Jesus being baptized. Comes up out of the water, spirit descends like a dove, father speaks, voice from heaven, this is my beloved son whom well please. Um, but but remember that you know Jesus is the God man, uh, but Father Spirit are are non-corporeal beings. They're 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 spiritual. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He can manifest his glory. He did it with with Moses, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, he is he's spiritual. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.